0: Good morning. Uh, my name is Derek Slabel, and uh, I'm excited to be able to be here this morning and just share with you what God's put on my heart. Um, uh, I just wanted to let you know, God has brought you here for a reason this morning. Um, I, I don't know what it is. I'm not going to pretend to know all of your backgrounds and what brought you here today, but God has brought you here for a purpose, and my goal this morning is that I just don't get in the way of that purpose. Um, there's something going on in your heart. There's some reason that you came to this building to be around the people you're with. Um, and my prayer right now is that God is softening your heart because he's got something that he wants to share with you. And again, I just pray that I don't get in the way. Uh, Blessed Assurance is, is one of my favorite hymns. Um, the, the line of this is my story, this is my song is something that, that I champion, and I'm not there uh, but it is something that, that I am working towards. Uh, I think of a life well lived. And dad mentioned, Chris, dad, mentioned that, uh, that there are those of us who have recently lost, lost loved ones. And I think of, of those situations and I think of a life well lived because just recently um, my last living grandparent passed away. And it was a, a moment of, of reality for me, and I, I thought to myself about that hymn, and Jan and I didn't talk ahead of time, but she put this one on, I thought this was perfect, this is exactly what, what I was thinking about. And I remember writing the words, this is my story, this is my song, and I thought of my grandpa. Because at the end of the day, that's what my grandpa wanted his life to be about. And so I'm going to introduce you to two people um, The man on my left there is Clarence, and the man in the middle there is Fred, and those are my grandpas. And in the last several years, I've lost all four of my grandparents. These guys are awesome. These guys lived a life well-lived, and my hope is that there are things in their lives that I can grab, and I can learn from, and I can use as I'm telling my story. So Fred, again, is the man in the middle there. Fred was a character character. And when we were all together as family, we were, we were talking about my Grandpa Fred, and we talked about um, stories of him. And one of the things that came up over and over again was my Grandpa Fred was a man of hospitality. He was a man of hospitality who, he actually owned a restaurant for a while. That's what he did. And so he loved to cook for people, and he loved to have people come around his table. But it didn't stop there. When the restaurant went away and he moved into, you know, normal life away from the restaurant, he still was a man of hospitality, When people came through the receiving line at his service and shared with me and my dad and anybody else who was around, the story that I heard more often was, your grandpa sent me note after note after note. I couldn't keep up. There was no way I could respond to all the notes that he sent. And I remember saying to one person in particular, yeah, you're right, because grandpa has more hospitality in that little bit of his life than I've had in my entire life. Like that was grandpa. He was just a man of hospitality. He was a man of service as well. See, he would go into prisons and meet with young men who he knew just they needed jesus and he just wanted to be their friend and this was a passion of his so he was a man of hospitality he was a man of passion but he also was just he was a husband he was a dad he was a grandpa he was a great grandpa and all these stories we shared and i remember thinking to myself as i was listening to people talk about his life over those few days during his services i remember thinking you know what at the end of the day, and, and somebody asked me, you know, why, why, why does this feel so emotional for you? And I said, yeah, I don't quite know. I mean, I, I loved my grandpa, obviously, but that's not where the emotion was. And then it struck me one day, you know why? Because my grandpa had one vision, and that's where he was going. And the day he passed away is the day that that vision was revealed. Because he had lived his whole life with this story to say, I can't wait to see Jesus. And all this stuff underneath mattered and it was important, but that was the best thing. And so the reason it became emotional for me is because I hung on to the fact that, you know what, Grandpa? You know what, Grandpa? Now it's been revealed. You get to see it. And so this is your story. This is your song. And what's your story? Your story is Jesus. And I appreciated these men so much, the lives that they lived and, and the heritage that I have from them. And it got me thinking about, okay, Derek. What's your story? And where are you at right now? And so we're going to talk a little bit this morning about my story, and we're going to talk about your story too. So these words I have up here, my own story, see, something you have to know about me if you don't know me well, is I've had a lot of change and a lot of transition in my life. I've moved, I've met new people, I've lived different places, but these, these words up here are at one point or another things that I have tried to make my own story. So I'll walk you through them, because not all of you know me, athlete. I was young, I was on a swim team, and I was actually kind of good at it. And so for a long time, that's what I was. I wanted people to know that I was the best. I can remember getting beat in a race, and the guy turning around and saying something to me, and I grabbed him and pulled him back in the pool, because I was so mad I didn't get first place that day. That, it's a very, his name was Ken. I can see him still. He made me mad. Um, missionary kid. Missionary kid. Like, that's just, that's what it was. We'd come back to this church, we'd come back to this community, and that's what I was known as. I was, I was the missionary kid, you know? Some of you probably sent letters to my folks when we were overseas, and I remember telling them, like, nobody really cares that I'm here, I'm just the missionary kid. Uh, and that's, so that's who I was. Substance abuser. I'm not proud of that, but you want to know something? That was a reality. That's who I was. And, and for a small window in my life, I was weirdly proud of that. That was the story that I told. The guy looking for a good time, I'm kind of still like that. Uh, The funny guy, like, yeah, I wanted that to be, I can remember when we left Saipan and I went to Conestoga Valley for one semester, I can remember watching the two most popular boys in my ninth grade class saying, oh, that must be what you do to be funny, that must be what you do to have people like you. Because again, if you go back to being the missionary kid, what that really meant was I lived in a bubble for five years and I had no idea of pop culture references. I had no idea what it meant to be in an American public school. And so in ninth grade, I just remember going, that guy's funny and that guy's funny. I want to be like those guys. It was nothing of my own. I just wanted to be like those guys. Hard work. I lived my professional career for a long, long time saying if I just work harder than everybody else, that's going to be good enough. And that was my story for the longest time. If you asked me how my weekend was, I'd answer with numbers. How was your weekend? We did this. How was your weekend? Oh, I cut that. Or we sold this. Or my team did like, yes, that was my identity. Volunteer? Hey, that's not a bad thing, but that was my story. I wanted people to know, hand up. You need help with something? I'm your guy. It's a quick way to find burnout, by the way. What about these things on the left here? A manager, a leader. That's still, I still struggle with those things. Like, those are good things. Don't, don't get me wrong. But at the end of my life, is that what I want my story to be? Hey, Derek really managed people well. Like, that's not what I'm looking for. Best husband ever? Uh, this is going to make some people laugh, but this is, this is the truth. That's what I want. And, and here's where the conflict comes into play, because at some point, if my desire to be the best husband ever is ahead of my desire to point people to Jesus, those two things will come into conflict. And I have to make sure that my story is always pointing back to Jesus first. I'm a dad. I want to be awesome at that. I fail sometimes. I have good days. I have bad days. I want to do well. But you know what? Again, if that is above my desire to point people to Jesus, then I'm missing out on something of what my story should be. And pop up because whether you know it or not, my oldest stepson has his own child, so I'm a grandpa now. So that's pretty fun. And I'm really good at being a pop up But again, if that is higher than me pointing people to Jesus, then my priorities are out of line. So what's your story? So think right now about some things that you have found your identity in. A lot of them are probably good things, because here's the reality. Like, it's easier to look at the list of like really bad stuff and say, oh yeah, I should, I should probably kick that stuff aside. Like, oh, you know what, I, I've struggled with substance abuse, or I, I've struggled with, with physical abuse, or I've, I've struggled with, with this sin issue. Hey, that's we can all look at that and go okay I need to set those things aside because Jesus needs to be first. But what about these things? Now, again, these aren't bad this is not hey Derek bad list. This is just a list of stuff. It's a list of stuff that sometimes we can make our story. Now, let's be real. It's relatively easy in our community to go about living looking like a Christian. Like, there's not, there's not everyday persecution that's going to come to you. Like, you know, you come to church, you stand up, you sit down, you volunteer here, you do that. That's awesome. But if that's where it stops because you're a driven person, or is that where it stops because you're a great employee, or because you volunteered, or you're an awesome student, or you're an awesome mom, or you're an awesome dad, if that's where your story stops, then you're missing something. Because Jesus has a whole other thing, and he's, he's sitting there saying, I want so badly for your story to be me. And if your story stops with, hey, I'm these things, then I'm telling you, you're missing something. So this morning, we're going to talk about somebody in the Bible who who had a very similar kind of thing. This person is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. His name's Peter. And the reason I like Peter so much is because, frankly, he just reminds me of me. Peter is, I think, the kind of person you would probably want to hang out with. He seems driven He seems out in front. He seems enthusiastic. But we're going to look at a few different sections, and we're going to create a list for Peter, kind of like this, that says, Peter, what did you want your story to be? And then we're going to talk and see how Jesus came alongside him and said, yeah, I see all that stuff, but this is really where I want you to get to. Again, your story isn't about you. It's about him. And Peter learned this the hard way. And so I want to walk us through just a few things this morning that hopefully can have us avoid some of those pitfalls. If you want to turn, you can, but I'm going to tell you, we're going to be jumping through a number of different scriptures. So I went ahead and threw them up on slides just to kind of help you out a little bit. So this is Matthew 4, 18, and this is when Jesus is originally called. It says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen, come, come, Follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once, they left their nets, and they followed him. Okay, so we're making our list of things that we can learn about Peter. First things that we can put on our list, two things. One, this is just very practical. Peter was a fisherman. I imagine in that day and time, that was a, a noble profession. People needed to provide food. You always had income. You always had something to eat. So he was a fisherman, and probably when he met people in the market on a Saturday morning, they said, what do you do? I'm a fisherman. Great. We all have a job. The other thing that I learned about that when we're thinking about who Peter is is he was ready to go. You know, if you read this again at the very bottom here, it says, at once they left their nets and they followed him. That was Peter. I don't think that's a throwaway line. I think that's how Peter was wired. And you're going to see as we follow along with some of these other stories about Peter, there's more examples of him being like that. He was a fisherman and he was ready to go. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. I love Peter. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. The stories in the Bible crack me up sometimes because we read them, and if you've been in church, you've heard them so many times. Peter stepped onto water. Like, let's not lose sight of this. This wasn't this stage. It wasn't stepping down like this. And I don't know how Peter jumped out of the boat. I don't know if he took two feet and jumped. I don't know if he did a cannonball. I don't know if he stuck one toe. I have no idea what that looks like. But everything that I read about Peter is that Peter Peter wanted to get out of the boat. He didn't want to stay in the boat. So who is Peter? Peter's a fisherman. He's ready to go. And he's first in line. Like, again, when I I think about him and I think about myself, these are some characteristics that I have. Like, I want people to know, again, if I go back to the volunteer thing, you need something, I'm there for you. And and that's not a bad attitude to have, but I can tell you, if I'm trying to write my story in just that, hey, I'm the first person to volunteer, or I'm the first person to say yes to, and you can count on me, if that's all my story is, I'm going to get burnt out. And at some point, that's going to come in conflict with my story being about pointing you to Jesus. Peter was a fisherman. He was ready to go, and he was first in line. What else about Peter? Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Peter heard him, it is the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. Not once, But twice, Peter got out of a perfectly good boat. That's the kind of guy Peter was. Peter was a leader. Peter didn't wait and sit back here and say, okay, me and the disciples are in this boat. I'm going to see who the first one out of the boat is. I don't know if Peter thought about it like, well, what happens if I get completely wet? Uh, what happens if there's a shark, what hap- I don't know, I have no idea, but something about this list and things that I see in Peter tells me he didn't think about any of that kind of stuff. Peter just said, there it is, I'm out. And, and sometimes that can be me. Again, there's some times when this list right here may as well say, who is Peter, who is Derek? Because I want so badly for people to look at me and be like, Derek is an awesome leader. But but again, if Derek being an awesome leader is above Derek pointing people to Jesus, then things are out of whack. And that tension for me is going to be very, very tiring. John 18:10. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. Picture this scene. If you've been in, if you've been in church, you know what's going on here. Jesus is being arrested. And the disciples have been around him for a long time now, and they can feel the walls are sort of closing in. And so Peter, being the guy that he is, sees his bud Jesus, sees his Messiah Jesus about ready to be taken down. And what does he do? He goes for the sword. Peter was ready to protect. Peter was ready to defend. I don't think Peter thought about consequence for one second in that moment. He was quick to react. And you know what? Sometimes I can be guilty of that. I don't always think before I jump down. I'm just quick to defend the people around me. And that's a good thing. And I should have a level of protector and defender. But again, and this is where it gets really hard. If those things are above me ultimately pointing people to Jesus, then we're missing out. John 13, 36. And this is where really the rub comes into play. So all this time... Peter has been doing life alongside Jesus, and Jesus has been seeing all these characteristics of Peter. And I have to imagine, and I don't know this, but I have to imagine that Peter felt pretty good about himself. You know, he probably had times when he was by himself, maybe he was with a buddy who wasn't a disciple, would say, hey, you know what? I got out of the boat. I walked with Jesus. None of the other disciples did, but I did. You know, and then the other day, he was walking on the water again, and uh, I quick grabbed my coat, threw it on. Guess what? Got out on the water again. You know how many other disciples did? None. So you know what? When Jesus is looking for a front-of-the-line kind of guy, look no further than this guy, because I'm Peter, and I got it. I'm a leader. I'm a protector. I'm a defender. That's what Jesus is looking for. I know it is, so Jesus is going to pick me. So here's where the rub comes in. So Jesus is talking to him. They're having a conversation. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Like, really, Peter? Because I'm Jesus, and I kind of know what's coming down the road, and so I want to ask you just one more time to make sure you heard it the first time. Are, really? Are you really going to lay down your life for me? Because that opportunity is going to come, I'm just going to kind of wonder what's going to happen, Peter, when you're cornered just a little bit. And Jesus says, will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And I don't know what Peter's immediate reaction was there. But I know for myself, again, if I have a list of things that I think I'm sort of competent in, I'm I'm kind of good at, and you come to me and say, you won't do that. it will be like, what? You're kidding me. Like, this is who I am. I've got my list of qualifications. I've got my list of things that I'm really good at. Don't tell me that's going to happen because I'll show you. Again, Scripture doesn't tell us that that happens, but if I think about the characteristics of Peter, I'm willing to bet you that it did. Peter was a chest-out kind of guy, like, hey, I'm going to be front of the line. Hey, you think that's going to happen? I bet you it's not. And if you study Scripture, here's what's crazy. It's not hours later that Peter's put in a spot. And and the spot that Peter is put in isn't a super-duper threatening spot. It's just kind of a spot. You know, Peter is in a courtyard and they've just taken Jesus away. And the story reads that the first person that came up to him was this young girl. And this young girl asked him and said, Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because the disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard, but Peter had to wait outside the door. The other disciple who was known to the high priest came back, spoke to the other girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. You are you not one of his disciples are you? Peter, oh, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I, I kind of look like everybody else here, so it's probably that guy over there or something like that, like, wait a minute, wait a minute, Peter, you're going to lay down your life, but the first time, and again, this is not that long after, a few hours maybe, somebody comes at you, oh, no, no, oh, that's, not, that, that's not me, but it doesn't stop there, it keeps going. As Simon Peter stood warming himself, he was asked, You are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it. I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him, Wait a minute, wait. Didn't, didn't I see you in the olive grove? Just, I, I it wasn't that long ago. Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. You know, Mark tells us and I didn't write this down but Mark tells us that immediately Peter left there and wept. And you know how this is when you've been challenged in an area and you stand chest out like no I will not allow that to happen and then it happens. You know what that failure feels like. You've been talking maybe it's with your spouse maybe it's with a coworker or a friend and you're saying, "Hey, I know I've struggled in this area before but I got it. I'm good." And your and your friend is saying, "Hey, I don't I don't think you're quite Past that thing, whatever that thing. So hear me out, and you're saying, no, 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 I'm good, I'm good, good." that'll never happen again, and then it happens. Your legs are cut out from under you, and Peter left there, and that's exactly what he felt like. You know, so when we look at Peter, my kind of conclusion there is, is, Peter seemed like a good guy. He he had a lot going for him. Peter was the kind of guy that I think, like I said, I think I'd want to hang out with. He was a leader. He was a protector. He was that first out of the boat kind of person. You know, so maybe maybe we put it into words that that we can understand. You know, Peter strikes me as the kind of guy who would volunteer for Fall Fun Fest. It's a great thing. Yeah, I hope you all volunteer for Fall Fun Fest. But, But if that's the thing over pointing people to Jesus, it's not the ultimate thing. You know, Peter was the kind of guy who probably had a whole bunch of gold stars beside his name in Sunday school class because he never missed. And he was the kind of guy who brought a bulletin in case he did miss a Sunday. Yeah, like that's probably the kind of guy Peter is. But if that's all it was and he's not pointing people to Jesus, then you're missing something. Again, for me, I, I often get caught thinking about, okay, I have these laundry lists. If I were to put my own personal list up there again, there's things on there that are so obvious. You guys are like, yes, Derek, you should never go back to being a substance abuser. That's a bad idea. Yep, that's easy for me. You know what's really hard for me? Is when I want so badly for my marriage to look a certain way that I'm holding onto it like this. My fist is clenched because I'm like, God, I got, I got this one. Don't, I got this one. You don't. You know what's hard? God, this is part of my story that's you, and I'm letting go. Like, I'm letting go of my marriage because I believe you've got a better part for it than, than I do, and that, that's hard. God, I'm, I'm letting go of you taking care of my boys. That's tough. That's way harder than the things over here that are so obvious. So what are those things for you? Are the things that right now you're thinking of that are like, you know what, these are, these are good things, but it's not the best thing. What are those things for you? Is it some of this stuff? You know, when we think about Peter and how he was wired, and again, he had a lot going for him, I think, in our language, he might have been some of these things. So maybe what is happening is, is God saying to you, hey, I'm... I don't want you to find your story, I don't want you to find your identity in just being a model employee. Like there's more for you than just that. That's a good thing, but it's not the best thing. You know, a good person. Hey, I hear you, and I I think God delights in us being good people, but if our image, our story is just being a good person, then we're missing something. Because we're not pointing people back to Jesus by just being a good person. A volunteer. I, listen, I, I've told you a couple times now that, that I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty of being a volunteer that is like, hey, I, that's kind of what I want people to know about me. Volunteering's not bad. We should keep volunteering. But if that's all it is, and I'm not pointing people back to Jesus through that, then we're missing something. This is one of my favorite sections of Scripture. It's found in Acts. And and the reason it's one of my favorite sections of Scripture is because we have seen what Peter looked like. Like Peter was this guy. He was this front-of-the-line kind of person. He was a jump-out-of-the-boat. He was a leader. He was a protector. He was a defender. And yet, Jesus called him on it and said, Peter, are you willing to lay down your life for me? Peter, are you willing... To let go of all those things that you think you've got going on for you and just live boldly for me. And Jesus, I think in that moment when he asked the question, he, he knew what the result was going to be. He knew that Peter was going to fail. So what, what happened? What, what turned for Peter? Because here's what I can tell you. The story for Peter didn't stop there. And the story for you and for me doesn't need to stop there because God offers us a chance at redemption, offers us a chance to make our story pointing to him. And so I love this section of scripture here because here's what's happening is uh, Peter and John, you know, Jesus has crucified, raised again, went to heaven, and he said, I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit here for you. And all of a sudden, Peter, this guy who was rash and brash and had this whole list of things, suddenly he is a completely different person when you read this. Sure, he still has his identity. I still think he's going to be an out there kind of person. But you know what? This story was an opportunity for Peter to puff his chest out. This story was a chance for Peter to be like, this is what I've been waiting for. Remember I told you I could be the number one disciple? Now is my chance to prove to you that I am the number one disciple. But something happened to Peter. And it flipped. And this is what it says in Acts. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate. Though you had decided to let him go, you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man who you see and know is made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you can all see. And Peter dropped the mic and walked away. You see, Peter, and I love these sections right here, and I, I almost can't read this. Even when I'm by myself and there's nobody around, I find myself speaking with an increased cadence just as I read this because I can hear Peter. Because Peter had been beat up. Peter had let Jesus down. But Jesus brought him back in and said, you know what? Holy Spirit's going to make you way stronger. Why don't you live in that space, Peter? Stop living in the space that's just you and live in the space that's the Holy Spirit. And you know what it looks like? It looks like this right here. It looks like Peter puffing his chest because of what Jesus did, not because of what he did, and saying things like, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. Not Peter. By faith in the name of Jesus. This man who you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely to heal him as you can all see. Peter had just, through the Holy Spirit, got a guy to stand up and walk who had never walked in his whole life. And if there was ever an opportunity for a person to be like, yes, I did it. And people were trying to do it. People were coming up to him like, what? How did you do that? I can't believe that this. this is incredible. You know what Peter did? Look through me. Look through me because my story is no longer about what Peter can do. My story is now about what Jesus has done. And that's what I want for all of us. That's what I want for myself. You know, anytime that I'm doing prep for something like this, I realize that the sermon, and, and, I'm, and I'm sorry to let some of you down, the sermon is less for you guys than it's a lot for me. You know, I was prepping in this direction for weeks leading up to it, and about six days ago... I made a left turn. You know, God just showed me some new things, some things that I hadn't seen before. And this is what it is. In conclusion, it was who is Peter? Remember that list we had before? Who's Peter now? Points to Jesus. You now, Derek, this is what I want for you. All these things for your entire life that you have been chasing. From the time, as little as I can remember, I have been achievement oriented. God's saying, Derek, I don't, <laughs> that list does nothing for me. You know what I want you to do? I want you to point to Jesus. So Derek, when it rises up inside you still to feel achievement-oriented, still to be that person who wants to have an identity just because you volunteered for something or because you're a good person or because you can teach Sunday school or because you can read a book out loud in front of Adam, whatever. You know what I want? I want you to point to Jesus. And it's been a challenge for me as I have been studying and prepping for this to realize, you know what? I missed that mark. Again, sometimes... Sometimes the things are easy to think about. Yeah, I need to let that part of my story go away so that my story can be a little bit more. No, no, here's the hard ones. The hard ones for me are the good things. The things in my life that, yeah, they're good. I can justify them to you. I'm a good person. What do you mean? I don't do any of that stuff. I go to a Christian school. I got Christian friends. I hang out here. We do this. We do that. That's not what it's about. It's about pointing to Jesus. My challenge for you is this, if you have been in church for a long time, it is easy for us to fall into a rut that says, I'm going to go on Sunday, I'm going to go on Wednesday, I'm going to check these boxes, and that's going to be my story, and that's going to be good enough. And Jesus is saying, you know what, you can have that list, keep it, I don't want that list. You know what I want? I want your story to be about me. I want your story to be a Jesus story. So when people look at you and you and you and you, you're just pointing straight back to them. It's not about you. It's not about being the front of the line. It's not like Peter was, just having this list of stuff, good stuff. But frankly, he wants more than that. He wants your entire being, your story, to point through you and back to him. And if you haven't grown up in church and you have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about, here's something else. I imagine that in your life, you're looking for purpose. You're looking for meaning. You would love for your story to be about something. And maybe you've tried to have your story be this one over here, and you've tried your story to be this one over here, and you've tried this story to be over here, and none of them have ultimately brought you any kind of fulfillment. Well, here's why. Because you were designed by a creator to find him. And until you find him, it's like an invention that has no purpose. You were invented let's say, to be a chair. And if nobody told you how to use the chair, the chair is worthless. You were created for a purpose, but if nobody told you what that purpose is, you're going to be unfulfilled. You were designed to find your creator. That's what he wants your story to be about. Pointing through you back to him. I've been challenged so much as I've been leading up to sharing this with you. And there's a lot of passion inside me that comes out of it because I have failed time and time again. I can't tell you how many things, and the list I gave you was like a fifth of all of the things that I have tried to prop up as an achievement or to prop up as something that I'm good at or to prop up as something I can do. And you know what is so painful is God every single time goes, Derek, if you're going to prop it up, I'm going to pull it back out. Like until Derek, you just relax and go, okay, God, all of you, none of me, Until you do that on a daily basis, Derek, you're missing out. So my challenge as we leave here today is to think about those things. What are the things, what is in your story that you're putting above Jesus? What do you want your story to be? And start praying for it. God, what are the things that are in the way of you being my story? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for an opportunity to share what you have put on my heart. Lord, I am far from arrived at being able to live this out, but I am in the middle of a journey that is I want my story to be you. Not my volunteer list, not the things that I do, not how great of a dad or husband, employer, employee. I want it to be you. When people Look, I want them to look through me just back at you. And so, God, I pray right now that you would continue to refine what is happening in my life. And, God, for my friends in front of me here, Holy Spirit, I just pray right now that you are working in somebody's heart. You are softening, massaging, moving in a new direction. God, I firmly believe that each person here was brought here for some purpose. I don't know what it is. Thankfully, I don't have to keep track of that. But you know. You know, each of these people by name, and you know where they're at on a journey. And so, God, I just pray right now that you would be working in their hearts and and, and giving them a chance to give an honest assessment. Lord, what are the things that I'm putting ahead of you? What is the part of me that is selfishly my story? But it's not about you. So, God, I pray as we go about our weeks, you would be refining that. God, you are an awesome father we love you very, very much. We are glad for the love that you have given us. And Lord, I pray that we would live in that space, that we would live in the freedom that comes with, you know what, God, I'm just going to be comfortable basking in your love. I'm not going to hold on tight to this, and I'm not going to hold on tight to that. I'm going to let go. I'm going to let you completely take over my story. We love you, Lord.